You're listening to a message from New Life Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Thanks, Annette. Wow, I love that uh, we do VBS. We host it here in the community. It's wonderful. As Annette said, there were about three to 400 kids here last year. And what really makes it happen is I think there were about 100 volunteers. And so you guys are just incredible. And it's a way we get to touch the community. So we want to invite you to be part of that. At least be praying. I mean, really be praying for our kids because we want to speak really prophetically to what God's wanting to do in their lives, especially for now and the future. So let's do this. How many would say that we need a lot of wisdom today? Would you, would you say that? I mean, look at all the facets of life that we're confronting, the things that we're dealing with, not to mention the things that are outside of our own relationships, the things that are going on in the world. We need wisdom And if there was one way I would pray for people today, it certainly would be wisdom, especially those that are in leadership. You know, we were just in probably two of the most powerful places on the planet. Kind of interesting. It was on the way home on the plane ride yesterday. I was thinking, my goodness, what has just happened in the last month? Well, one, or excuse me, two weeks we spent in the most spiritual place on the planet. That's Jerusalem, Israel. And then we spent one of the most powerful places on the planet as far as politically we spent in Washington, D.C. And uh, what we learned, what we saw there was amazing, but what we do need and what we need to know is none of this is possible without God, that God is still in control and that he's still in charge and we still look to him because he's the author and finisher of our faith. And so we have trust and faith in him and that's what this is all about. He is the one who gives us the wisdom that we need. So I'm going to take you back to the age of 18 years old. It was a long time ago. Okay, 18 years old it was a, it was a long time ago. I was a senior in high school. I was playing God's favorite game, baseball. It's God's favorite game. Everybody knows that. I was on second base. Uh, The batter hit the ball. I rounded third. I headed for home. Catcher caught the ball about the same time I arrived at home plate. I started to slide. I planted my left foot into the ground. At that moment, the catcher came across the plate, hit me going the other way. I mean, if you've ever been hit by someone about 240 pounds, it is a hit. I got hit. My foot was planted. The problem was my body went one way and my ankle went another way. And I broke my ankle, shattered my ankle in nine Pieces, nine places. Ooh, it's kind of gory, isn't it? I mean, I even think about it today. But my, my, my foot was going the wrong direction. It was behind me when it should have been in front of me. And so while I was laying on the ground, I took it like a man. I just laid there. Not. Ah, no, 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 no. I screamed like a baby. I started screaming, where's my foot? Somebody took my foot. My foot's gone. I couldn't find my foot. I let everyone know my ankle was broken. So I was in so much pain. Two or three surgeries later, this was the best it's going to be. It was broken, and everybody knew it was broken. Because I wasn't quiet about it. I mean, I let everybody there. I mean, in shouting distance, I let them know. I could not hide the fact that my ankle was broken. But here's the question. What do we try to do sometimes in life? We try to hide our brokenness. We try to hide our broken heart. I mean, we really do. We kind of shut up. We isolate. Many of us try to get off by ourselves. We try to hide what's going on in our spirit. And really what's going on in our spirit is a lot of pain. 
If we break anything else, if anything else breaks on you, what do you do? Take me to the ER. I need to go to the hospital. Somebody help me. Get me some help. But with a broken heart, we try to hide it. And here's the reality. The reality is if you're walking around with a broken heart, everyone else knows. And the reason everyone else knows is because they see the pain. They hear the pain in your own life. Broken hearts are not easily hidden. We try, but it's not easily done. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take some wisdom today for a broken heart from the book of Proverbs. We've been studying the book of Proverbs. It's a series entitled Get Smart. I'm excited about this. I love this. But I want you, and you're going to be on a kind of a track uh, pace today. We're going to be running pretty fast. But look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. If you have your Bible, you can open there. If you don't, we have blue Bibles around the building here. Grab one, take it home with you. It's yours. You can have it. We want you to have the Word of God. So Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, what does it say there? Partly the things that you do flows from it. A little bit uh, flows from it. No, it says here, everything you do flows from your heart. So what does Solomon tell us to do? I mean, the wisest person on the planet. That's what we're told. The son of David. If you do anything, he says this, if you do anything in life, and I would say this to everyone, young and old, and especially probably to the young today, the most important thing that you can do is guard your heart. Be jealous about what gets into your heart. Be jealous about what you give access to your heart. Be jealous over that. Now, it's not talking about being defensive. Don't live in a defensive way. That's ugly. That never looks good. But make sure you protect your heart. Why? Because all the issues of life, everything flows from your heart. When your heart gets polluted, everything gets polluted. Your mind gets polluted. Your speech gets polluted. Your relationships get polluted. Everything gets polluted when your heart is polluted. Now, there's some key words that you've noticed in the book of Proverbs. I mean, we've been in it long enough to say, wow, here's some key words that seem to repeat themselves Uh, uh, time and time again. They repeat themselves in the book of Proverbs. What I wanted to do just for a moment is focus a little bit on some of those key words. So when you're reading the book of Proverbs, and which I hope you are, and remember, we go through the Proverbs, you can read uh, the corresponding date. Uh, And it's a good way to do a Bible study. Some of you may be stuck and saying, well, I don't know what to study in the Bible. I don't know where to go. Listen, go to the date. What's the date today anyways? What is it? The 4th of June. Read Proverbs chapter 4 today. And it really helps. It really does help. But there's some key words that are used there. Here's one of the key words. It's inmost. It is the most foundational elements of your thoughts and feelings. It's what makes us into us. Inmost. Here's another key word. It's spirit. Literally means breath or wind. I love the, uh, I love the Hebrew word. I believe it's rocha. Uh, it, it just means that there's a breath. That God has created us in his image. And that he's breathed upon us the breath of life. And that is what it talks about here. It's talking about the breath, those inward places. It also is represented in scripture as wind. Remember the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2? What does it say? I love to think about it this way. Is the wind blue? Uh, a rushing, mighty wind? I love to just think and imagine that God just, 
is just breathing on that place. He's breathing the breath of life, the infilling of God's Holy Spirit. But it literally means breath or wind. It's our deepest, most ambitions or passion for life. So here it is. A healthy spirit is a desire to take on life. So, so a healthy spirit is someone who's saying, yeah, man, just give it to me. Come on, bring it on. Bring it on. But we know that sometimes there are other things that happen in life and our spirits, if you're here today and you have any breath in you, if you've lived for any certain period of time, you know you've dealt with brokenness. You know what it feels like to deal with a crushed spirit. And that a crushed spirit is to take no joy from life. That when your spirit's crushed, it really does uh, skew the way that you see life, the way that you see God, the way that you see relationships, because your spirit has been crushed, and you just kind of live that way. If you were a Blazer fan this year, you know exactly what we're talking about. You have a crushed spirit. I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, what did they do? Nothing this year, really, altogether. But you have that, that you just walk around, and it feels like you feel like kind of like a zombie. You know what, I've, I've felt that before. I've lived that way before. Here's another word. The word is heart. Heart's used a lot in the Bible, in Proverbs uh, as well. Heart is this. This is not, again, this is not just our emotions. This is our core beliefs. The things that we'll fight for. Um, The things that you value. You know, oftentimes you don't know really what you value until it's challenged. You really don't. I mean, you live kind of in a comfortable way. And you just kind of go along your merry way. And then something comes along and challenges something. And Have you ever had that? Out of the blue, something rises up and you go, what is that? I mean, you just got, I'm going to, those, let's fight. I'm going to fight over that. That that is the uncovering of something that's deep, your values. And and that, those challenges that come along, those trials in life that bring that out, kind of shows us where we are in relationship to our values and who we are. Why does this matter today? I mean, that's a big question. Why does this matter? Because we are only as strong as our spirit. I mean, Proverbs tells us that. Proverbs 18, 14 says, The human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear it? Who can bear it? It's a rhetorical question. It's basically already have a conclusion there. There's already a, a conclusion. Who can really bear a, a crushed spirit? So let's do this. Let's answer the question, what causes a broken heart? I think it's a good question to look at. What are the things in your life, what are the things in my life that, that cause a broken heart? I mean, it's good for me to know. And there, there, there are probably a few things, several things maybe, But there are a few things that I want to zero in on. And here's probably the most devastating. The most devastating uh, is demeaning words. I mean, if you've ever been the recipient of demeaning words, you know exactly what this feels like. I don't know where you might have heard that. Could it have been from, you know, unfortunately from parents, those that love us and they love us the most. It could have come from a school teacher could have come from a coach. It could have come from somebody influential. And usually it's somebody that we give place to in our life, isn't it? It's somebody that we actually give access to our own heart and we let them influence us. And it's those times that those words hurt the most. I remember when I was first starting out in ministry. I was, uh, I don't remember, I was 18 or 19 years old. Um, I was helping with these family camps that took place all up and down the West Coast. I was the youth guy. And, um, and the leader, I mean, really, the the big kahuna of the camp, said, I want you to be here in the morning to help set up camp. 
Well, you know, 18, 19 year old, you know what morning means? Just anything before noon. I mean, that's what I'm thinking in my head. Anything before noon, that's morning. Get there, a.m. And I got there about 11 o'clock, and he exploded on me because when he meant morning, he meant 7 in the morning, of which I did not know. But I showed up at 11, and he went off on me. He called me a, uh, and I never heard this word before, he called me a prima donna. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, I didn't know what it meant. I'm thinking, a prima donna, I don't think it's good because he's mad. But I'm going to go back and check and see what it means. And when I read it, I said, I am not. You know, I'm not a prima donna. And I wanted to quit. I wanted to give up. The words just crushed me. And I went into my little dorm room. I laid down on my bed, and I was just laying there. I was sulking. And I remember hearing, really, the Spirit of God, the life, the breath, the, the, the wind of God said, stand up. Man, I just jumped up off the bed. I, I, I heard what I heard. I jumped up off the bed, and, he, and, and this voice spoke to me. I know, I know it was God's Spirit. said, who has called you? Was it him that called you? Was it her that called you? No, it's me that called you. I have formed you. I have spoken life into you. Man, I'll tell you, when you have those demeaning words come to you, just remember, remember this, those hurt, but they're secondary to the primary word of God speaking into you. It's what God says to you, what he says to me that really matters in life. It still hurts. I know it hurts. Proverbs 15.4 says this, uh, The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. You see, a perverse tongue is someone who takes the truth, and sometimes it's a little bit of truth, and twists it. And, you know, being on the receiving end of that is never a good place to be. It, it doesn't, it, it's not fun. It's not fun because typically, and this is just the way kind of the, the devil works in our life, he, there's a morsel of truth, but there's a big lie built around it. Why? Because we know if it's just absolutely a lie, we don't buy into it. But when we see that little bit of truth in there, we get sucked into that, don't we? We get pulled into that. And then the devil just kind of elaborates. <laughs> or, or those demeaning words just elaborate on whatever that weakness might be or that, 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 that sin might be or that brokenness might be. Proverbs 18.8 says this, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down into the innermost parts. <laughs> now, I want, here's what I want you to pick. I was reading this. I actually started laughing. Uh, not because it's, it's it, it, the picture is funny. So what it's saying here is it looks so good. I mean, gossip looks so good. And I was thinking about pizza. I had pizza the other night, and it was pepperoni pizza, and it, and it looks so good. And listen, if you've eaten bad pepperoni pizza, it's not so good. But you don't know it until what? It gets into your inmost parts. That's when you know it. That's when you know what you ate was not good, that it was bad. That's what it's saying here. It's saying, man, it looks good. It sounds good. And you take it in, you digest it, and it goes to places, and you are really regretting where it's going. It goes into the inmost parts and causes havoc in your life. That's what the Proverbs is saying here. I love that. I love to read it. It's so clear when we hear words like this. So here's a note. There's a relationship between our heart health and our speech. Don't, don't ever disconnect those. You want to keep those together. There's a relationship between our heart health and our speech. What does Jesus say, say to us? He says, from your heart or the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. So they are 
definitely connected. So, listen, here it is. If your speech is sour, how can you connect the dots? You connect the dots back to your heart, and most likely your heart is sour. That's what the Proverbs tells us here. So here's something else that causes a broken heart. Not only, not only is it disparaging or, or horrible words, but it's disillusionment. Disillusionment can really crack us up, can break us up. Disillusionment really, to me, has a lot to do with my outlook on the future um, and, and what I think should happen, my expectations. How many know that your expectations don't always get filled? And then you want them to be, you live that way, but time goes on and it doesn't happen. And what takes place is disillusionment. Listen, when you put that much hope or trust into people especially, guess what? You're going to be disillusioned. You're going to be disappointed. It it will happen. I don't want to be the first time you've heard this. I don't want to be the first guy to break this to you, but it's true. And it has everything to do with uh, what we and how we see the future. So how does it look? How does it look? Well, sometimes we learn to live with disillusionment. And that's the sad part. We just start living with it. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 says, Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. What it's saying there is we have a lot of anxiety about our future. We're looking ahead. Listen, remember, we don't know much about our future. No one controls their future. There's only one that does, and that's God. But we act like we do. And when we act like we do, then there's an anxiety that creeps in. And a lot of us deal with that. It's all the what-ifs. It's all the what-ifs in life. It's those things that, that probably what most of the time never happen. I love one of those quotes that says, My life is full of terrible misfortunes, much of which have never happened. That's what we're talking about. That's what the Proverbs speaks of here. And it's those things that can disillusion us. Here's another one. Um, it's Proverbs 13, 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. What's another thing that can bring disillusionment? Or what is a result or, or a product of that? It's, it's, it's a, a sick heart because your hope has been deferred. You know, you keep hoping in something and it's not happening. And it says here, when that happens, our heart, our heart gets sick. And I think most of us in the room probably have dealt with that one time or another. That makes us sick. And then there's another scripture here. It's Proverbs 14, 13. Even in laughter, the heart may ache and in rejoicing may end in grief. So you're dealing with anxiety, hope deferred and grief in our lives. So here it is. There is a relationship between our heart health and our future outlook. Would you say that's true? Especially if you're dealing with hope deferred. <laughs> uh, hope deferred makes that heart go, grow sick. I wonder if this was one of the things, and I, I think it probably is, one of the things that happened to Abraham in the, in the, in the Old Testament in Genesis. The story of Abraham being promised he's going to be given a son. And God does this incredible, enormous, magnificent thing. He says, your offspring will be as many as the stars in the heaven and the sands in the sea. That's a lot. And God promised this outlandish promise. And he's living this life, you know, just kind of herding goats and sheep. And nothing happens for years and years and years. What does he do? When hope is deferred, heart gets sick, you make wrong decisions, poor decisions. What does he do? 
I mean, his wife comes along and says, listen, I'm getting old, you're old, we're already old, need to have Hagar, she's going to help us, you're maid maidservant. He just says, okay. I mean, I did, but the guy doesn't even argue. That's what bothers me about that one. And they have Ishmael. I think what was going on there is a sickness of the heart. I think there was hope deferred made his heart grow sick. He thought, I'm going to take this into my own hands. I'm going to make sure this happens. Listen, whenever you take things into your own hands, especially your future, it doesn't turn out well. It really doesn't turn out well. And that's what I think we're speaking of here. So this is what we do. We must never let our hearts get away from Jesus. Never let your heart get away from the author and finisher of your faith. Never let your heart get away from the one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Never let your heart wander astray from the anchor that Jesus is, the hope that Jesus is in our life. Because when our hope is with him, then it makes all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. This is how I want to live my life. I want to live my life with my hope and knowing my future is entrusted to Jesus Christ. That's where hope is. Here's another thing. Our destructive egos. We've talked about those things that cause our heart to be broken. Destructive egos. Now I'm going to co connect destructive egos with disparaging words or, or, or words that are harsh that we've heard. It, it, it isn't, listen, it isn't that those words aren't going to be spoken to us because they will be. It's a matter of how you let them hit you. It's a matter of how you absorb them. You following me? Because you're going to hear words like that. You're going to hear different things. If you're on this planet for very long, you're going to hear something negative come your way. So is it coming into your heart? Is it being absorbed, embraced, or is it going right over the top of your head? Listen, Jesus knew his mission. This is what I love about Jesus. He had so many disparaging words spoken to him. And on the cross, in the deepest pain, broken, he had people yelling at him, hey, if you're really the son of God, get down from there. You know what? He knew his mission. He let those words just go right by him because he knew who he was. He knew what he was to accomplish. He knew why he was there. And that made all the difference in the world to our salvation. He didn't get a big ego there. Because typically when we take on those words, here's what we do. <laughs> Have you done this before? I am not. I'm not who you. I'll show you. And it's our egos that get inflated because our egos are hurt. Our egos are damaged. And that can cause destruction. It'll cause a broken heart. Proverbs 16, 18 and 19 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. I like this, verse 19. One that we don't always read with verse 18. Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. You know, essentially, you know what this is saying? This is saying, you know, it's better to eat top ramen with people who are really level-headed friends than a 10-course meal with the proud who live in Beverly Hills. Well, that's what it's saying. See, if you've got a choice, don't hang out with those folks. Hang out with the folks eating top ramen. They're going to tell you the truth. We're going to be honest with you. Live with those people. Stay with those people. That's where the balance of life can be found. So... There is a relationship between our heart health and our humility. Isn't that true? There is a relationship. We see it again in the life of Jesus. I mean, it's incredible. The Son of God, 
who didn't hold on to the things that he had in heaven. He came and stood and he lived and he died and he rose again. How does he do that? The humility. The humility. Hard-hearted is this. I won't do it. Broken-hearted is I can't do it. Willing-hearted is I want to do it. So let's go into this just for a moment. So how do you heal a broken heart? Well, the first thing is this. Discover God's core commands. I'm gonna, that's how you, you read that over and over in the Proverbs. Remember what I've commanded you, my son. Remember what I've commanded you, my son. Remember what I've commanded you, my son. Remember God's core commands. And it's something that we really and literally have gotten away, away, uh, away from. We've kind of parted company from the core commands of God. What would you say would be some of those core commands? Some of those core commands to me are the Ten Commandments. And I want to challenge you to do this. I want to challenge you to go back in the next couple days and read the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20. Just read through the Ten Commandments and read them from a father who loves you's perspective. That he's saying these things to his children. And he's saying, here are the things that, that, that you need to know. And you know why he's telling us this? We've bent it in. Well, he wants to make our life miserable. No. In fact, everything he deals with has to do with contentment in our life. To satisfy us, to fill us, to give us the best. That's what he's saying. And if you look at the Ten Commandments and break them down a little bit into categories, look at the first three. The first three have to do with our relationship to God. And how important that is. That sets the stage. That's the foundation. You will not put any other gods before me. Love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, all your mind, all your soul. He's telling us this. It's the first three are our relationship with our Father in heaven. Now, what's interesting is the fourth command is what we call, and, and, and Jewish rabbis call it this, it's the bridge command. What is it? And on the Sabbath, keep that day holy. By the way, look at the explanation there. The Sabbath, the fourth commandment, has the longest explanation than any of the other commandments, even than adultery and murder. Whoa. That's another day, that's another message, that's another sermon. But it's there. What is he saying? Hey, listen, really to be healthy, body, soul, and spirit? I mean, really to be content? And one of the reasons we're not today is we don't rest? Just saying. So we're on this pace. Let's get more, let's get more, let's get more. And then the rest of the commandments are about us wanting to get more, but God's saying, no, 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 no. Be content with who I am and what you have. I mean, don't, don't, don't lust after your neighbor's wife. Be content with the wife you have. Don't lust after your, or covet your neighbor's house. That's another Be content with what you have. So what it's saying is be content with what you have. It's the seven commandments that talk to us about our relationship with each other. So you have God, you have the bridge commandment about rest, and then it's how do you get along with everyone else with the goal in mind of God raising up content children, satisfied children, full children in life. That's amazing. Hey, if you want to get a book, it's a great book. Uh, There's two of them I'd recommend to you on this. Uh, Ron Mel, a a good friend who's passed, wrote a book called The Tender Commandments. I love it because that's what it is, The Tender Commandments. And and then there's another book, uh, Matthew. What's Matthew's last name? Do you remember? What? Sleeth. Matthew Sleeth 
writes a book, it's a great book, called 24-6. It's about the fourth commandment. So if you want to just get in, dive into that, because it makes all the difference in the world. The commands, again, are designed to give us a satisfied life, body, soul, and spirit. So Proverbs 4, 4 says this, Then he taught me, and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all of your heart. Keep my commands, and you will live. Who is he talking about there? Remember, this is Solomon writing this. Who is he talking about? He's talking about here, we believe, David, his father. Who's his father? David. And he's saying, listen, there's things that we pass on generationally. I love this. Because this verse right here is a legacy scripture. It's about the fathers and mothers teaching their children. They're saying, hey, listen to the commands that I've passed on to you. Take those commands. Live by those commands. Don't, don't kiss them off. Because you will live if you live by these commands. And then Proverbs 23, 16 says this. My utmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. Wow. Our heart rejoices when we know we're taking on what God says is right. Doing the next right thing. Here it is. A well-guarded heart learns God's commands rigorously and relationally. Now, how many know this? How many know that the Proverbs are not promises? Because I'll tell you why. When I read the Proverbs when I was a young man, I thought they were all <laughs> promises. See, now I'm looking kind of in the rearview mirror a bit, going, whoa, 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 those are not promises. You know what they are? They're principles that if you live by them, you'll be on your way to fulfilling the promises. It's the road, it's the map that says you want God's promises fulfilled in your life, then live by these principles. See, we, we kind of get in our circles and say, whoa, I claim this one. This is mine. It's a promise. The Proverbs are principles that we can live by rigorously and we apply them relationally. So here it is. Replace, number two, replace disappointment in others with trust in God. You want to know how to cure from a broken heart? Right here. This is a big one. This is a big one for a lot of us, especially in church circles and different things that go on in our lives. Replace disappointment in others with trust in God. Again, I'm going to say this. You will, you will be disappointed in others. You will be disappointed in me. You will be disappointed in mom. You'll be disappointed in dad. You'll be disappointed in brother, sister. You will be disappointed. And can I hear an amen? Yeah. All right, there we go. I'm just saying it's the truth. So be it. It's the truth. You will be disappointed. So that's, that's what he's saying. You can't rest there because you will be disappointed. So what do you do? What's your alternative? I mean, your, your best solution, your best practice here would be this, to trust in God. That is the best practice. And that's what it says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. <clears throat> Trust in the Lord with part of your heart, with a little bit of your heart. Now, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. You know, this is so hard for us. It seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? Excuse me, because what you might be going through right now, your eyes are telling you something totally different. Your eyes are telling you something totally different. Your, your eyes are saying, this is the truth. 
Your logic is saying, this is the truth. But in your heart, you're going, no, I, I have to trust in God. The truth is you will be disappointed. That is, that is true. What do you do? You rise above that. Yesterday, we were flying into PDX, and we were coming. I was sitting next to my granddaughter, and she was looking out the window, and all of a sudden, you come into those clouds. And she goes, how does he see? How does he see? I said, he doesn't. She goes, what? No, he sees about as much as we see. What? Do you know Mount Hood is right? And I said, yeah, and we're right about even with Mount Hood. You know, but we're a little north of it, so we're good. And she's just like, okay, this is bothering me. <coughs> Grandpa, you're not, you're not helping me here. You know, I was holding her hand. I was talking to her. I, she said, how does he do it? And I said, it's called instrumental flying. He's flying by the instruments on our panel. Why does he do that and not with his eyes? Because your eyes can deceive you. Your mind can deceive you. Your body can deceive you. Those instruments, that's telling you the truth. That's why the proverb says always, trust in the Lord. That's your compass. That's your compass when you feel like you're flying in the clouds and you want answers. Like, give me answers. I need answers. How many know in places like, can I tell you, how many know that when you're in places like that and you want answers, that's when you get answers the least? That's, I mean, it's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? I mean, now I want answers. I didn't yesterday. I need them today, but now you're shutting down on me, God. You know what he's saying to you? He's saying, listen, I've got uh, something you need to follow. It's trust in me. Trust in me. Because this is about relationship. The best thing to do is trust in God. Trusting in him is an invitation to his presence. That's why he's doing it. Not an invitation to answers. It's an invitation to his presence. So when you say, God, but my eyes are telling me something different here. My, my body's telling me something. I'm feeling something different. But listen, I'm going to trust in you. You know what you're saying? This is what you're saying. You're, in, you're saying, I invite your presence to be with me. So how many would rather have this? How many would rather have someone tell you the way or have someone go with you on the way? I like the second one. I always like the second one. I want someone to go with me. And isn't that great? You go into a different city. We've had this happen. Go into a city and you're asking somebody for directions and they tell you how to get there. But then there are those very, very few people that say, hey, you know what? I got a little time. I will show you how to get there. I'm going, oh, thank you, Jesus. Man, this is the person I needed because they're going to come with me. The person walking with you is Jesus. And he's going to show you the way. He's not just saying, oh, yeah, yeah, go down there about five blocks, take a right, go up, take a left, and then there could be, I mean, you're, by the time they get into like the second phrase of instructions, I'm lost. You know, we get down there, and then there's an argument between Annette and I. Did he say left or right? I think he said left. I think he said right. I think he said left. We're both lost, man. You know, we're both lost. We did that, by the way, a couple of days ago. So I'm just telling you. <laughs> we did it. Right out there in Washington. Right there in Washington, D.C. Uh-uh, that way. Uh-uh, that way. I don't even know how we got back here, so I'm just wondering sometimes. I, I really don't. But isn't it great that he goes with you? He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That his presence goes with you. That's the promise. When you say, I will trust in you, God, you know what you're saying? I'm counting on you to show me the way. You're not going to just tell me the way. You're going to show me the way. Wow. That beats all the answers in the world, if, if you ask me. It really does. So here it is, a note. A damaged heart chooses between contagious cynicism and contagious grace. So where are you now? Because you all, you, we all pass something on. You know, we're all contagious. <laughs> so what are you passing on? 
What are people going to catch from you? Are they going to catch cynicism or are they going to catch grace? I'm hoping they catch grace in my life. And here's the last one. Receive the good news of God's grace. How do you mend a broken heart? You receive the good news of God's grace. Receive the good news of God's grace. You're not alone. The good news is, wow, Jesus rescued me. And the word says I was once far off. I was an enemy of Christ. But now through the blood of Jesus Christ, I've been brought near. I'm in his presence. I've been brought near. I'm not on my own. I receive the good news. Proverbs 15.30 says, Light is a messenger's eyes who brings joy to the heart. And good news gives health to the bones. Do you know that good news, the good news of Jesus Christ, is the most healthiest thing you can bring to your, to your bones? Literally, that's what it's talking about. When it says bones, it means physically. Sometimes we see and hear good news. Oh, that's good news to my spirit. It is. But rarely do we think that the good news is actually for my physical health. It is for your physical health. You know how much stress you're under sometimes? And you need to hear good news because what the good news does, it's medicine to your body. It brings life to your body, your spirit. When good news comes along, we just lighten up. That's what happens. Proverbs 25, 13 says, like a snow-cooled drink at harvest time. How many of you buck hay before? I mean, there's some of you. We're out in Canby. We do. I mean, pfft. I mean, the best news, the best news you can hear when you're bucking hay is it's break time. That's the best news. That's the best news. I used to pour cement with my dad. I don't know why he did this. He's a little crazy, but he had all of his boys pouring cement. I poured cement for years, and it was in the heat of a desert kind of, you know, where you got to get up at 4 in the morning. Who wants to do that when you're 15? Nobody. Who wants to do that when you're 20? Nobody. But boys, get up. Today's the day we're pouring cement. I'm thinking, well, I'm glad you're happy. Because I'm not happy today. I'm going to go out in the heat. And we go out and we work and we work. And you know, that's hard work. So we were doing flat work. The best news I could hear all day. Okay, boys, time for a break. I'm thinking, man, I'm so glad he said that. It's like a cool drink. A cool drink. That good news. You know what it is? It's this. You can take a break. Here's the good news. Take a break. Take a break from working your way into salvation. Take a break of trying to get better so God loves you more. Take a break. Because the good news is it's done. The good news is it is finished. That's good news. Take a break. Take a break. Because what Jesus has done for you is all the good news. And it does something body, soul, and spirit. I heard someone say this. Some people in life are a blessing. Some people are a lesson. Know just what they're talking about. We all have that. Can I tell you this? I'm going to close with this. One of the things that a broken spirit will do or have a tendency to do is it'll cause you and me to isolate. Causes us to pull away, and I'm, I'm good at that. And then we wonder, why are we living 
in the loneliest place on the planet. Because there are more lonely people today than have ever lived before. But yet, we have all these ways to connect. Yeah, but when you just say hi on a text, I'm not sure that counts. Or when you send you know, a little note, maybe an email or an Instagram or something. I think that's all, that's all good stuff. But it can never take the place of good friends. And if you are dealing with a broken heart today, get some good friends that are a blessing. Not those that are a lesson. Know the difference. Get those who can really bless you. Surround yourself. I read an article the other day. It was basically on, for men, on men in America today are probably the loneliest people on the planet. We don't think we are all together until it really gets right down to it. You know what I'm reminded of? I'm reminded of the scripture where God says, hey, it's not good for man to live alone. It doesn't say it's not good for a woman to live alone. I, that's another issue. But it says it's not good for man to live alone. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I get it. That's why women live a lot longer after the guy dies than when the guy... When the, I mean, really, statistically, it's proven out. Guys live alone. You know what your, you know what your mortality rate is? 61 years old. That's, that's about it. That's about it. And I'm not talking just with a woman. I'm just talking about loneliness in general. Loneliness in general can kill us. And actually, it's one of the things that they say is killing us faster than anything else. That is a broken heart. Don't live alone. Whatever that looks like for you, do not live alone because we have an answer in Jesus Christ and good friends that are a blessing in our life. Amen. Bow your head with me. Lord, we just want to thank you for our time together. You are a good, good God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you do this? Would you stand with me? Um, Listen, we have people that will be around the building that will pray with you. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbyfoursquare.com.